Hello friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Tracy Papandreou. I'm an active member of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be able to share with you, and I really do hope you'll enjoy today's show. Now, all this week and next week, we're looking at the theme of spiritual revival. We're drilling down on that theme, focusing in on 10 questions about spiritual revival. This week's topics so far have really been interesting, and if you haven't been able to catch them, I encourage you to go to our website at faithfm.com.au and access them from the podcast area. Or if you've got the Faith FM app installed, you can easily listen from the podcast area there. So today's topic we'll be looking at is how does John illustrate carnal Christianity? And to lead us through that topic, we're joined once again by our co-host Lindy Sparing. Now Lindy is the prayer ministries leader for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome Lindy, it's so nice to have you back with us again. Hello Tracy. lovely to be here, thank you. I must tell you, I've really been enjoying what you've been sharing with us on this topic this week and really looking forward to what you have to share further on it today and next week. It's an amazing topic and a life-transforming topic and so I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about it but hopefully there are those that are listening that will catch a glimpse of this transformation that can happen through spiritual revival. Yes, amen, amen. Now, just for some of our listeners who maybe don't know you that that well, um, we do know that you're a prayer ministries leader for South Australia. You're also women's ministry leader, is that right? Yes, I'm involved in women's ministry, prayer ministry, our resource centre and hospital chaplaincy. But I'm also an associate speaker for Spirit Baptism Ministries, which was started by Pastor Dennis Smith. So I really enjoy talking about spiritual revival and how we can achieve it. I'm really excited about it. Tracy, do you mind if I just give a little cheerio out to the go Royal, ahead, go ahead. Royal Adelaide Hospital, to all of the medical staff, the support staff, those who run the cafe, the administration and reception, all the clinics. And, of course, to the patients, it's an amazing hospital. I've only recently been involved in it in a chaplaincy role, the volunteers, the visitors, and especially to our chaplain's area that's run by Nancy and to one of our chaplains, Paul Ryder, who's been a great comfort, I suppose, and encouragement to me in that role. So Royal Adelaide Hospital, they do an amazing job, and I just want to send them a cheerio. Yes, they're listening in, are they, you're hoping? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely, that'd be lovely. You sound like a busy lady, actually, to me, with all of those hats on. Um, Yeah, you need God and the Holy Spirit to help you manage all of that, I would imagine. Every day, Tracy. As I said earlier in the week, if I don't spend that time with the Lord every day, then my ministry is diminished and... um, I'm not able to achieve what I need to achieve. Yeah, it's no good us planning things if uh, we're not working in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen to that. Mm. And another little thing I think we have in common, you're a newbie to South Australia. Is that is that correct? That's true, Tracy. I yeah. am. And like me. So I moved from Sydney to Adelaide at uh, the end of August last year. But when did you move and, and what's your story been? 
So we moved from Victoria or Melbourne, if you like, in oh, nearly three years ago in July. I was just trying to think. <laughs> yes, time goes by quickly. It does, yeah. 2018, July. We moved here and we love it. We love South Australia. It's an amazing state and we've had the privilege and pleasure to visit all around to visit the different churches. So I hope that you get that same privilege to really soak up South Australia and the beautiful state that it is. Yeah, I, I haven't looked back, to be perfectly honest. I, I love it here. I love it here. So let's just um, move on now to take a look at our World Watch segment. This is a part where we uh, take a look at what's in the headlines um, that's of interest to, to Christians. And, um, you know, sometimes it helps us to get an idea of what's trending, um, all of that kind of thing. One article that really piqued my interest through the week um was one, uh, it actually came out on uh, Friday, April 30, and um, that's entitled, London Pastor Arrested for Sermon on Marriage. I was only saying what the Bible says is uh, how it's entitled. And the article goes on, Last week a pastor was arrested in London after he de- delivered a public sermon on the biblical definition of marriage out of Genesis 1. And um, the guy's name was John Sherwood. He was a 71-year-old. He's a pastor of a North London church, and he was arrested on April 25 under the Public Order Act for making allegedly homophobic con- comments. Now, he was um, he was released 24 hours later, apparently, but um, it's a concerning um, development. You know, w- what would you see as the major issues in this um, Lindy, I think I would be concerned that this gentleman wasn't allowed to speak about his beliefs and to publicly share what his understanding of the Bible is. If I read the article right, it sounds like the police were very heavy-handed mm. in the arrest and I wonder what would motivate them to do that. I also think about the fact that this gentleman wanted to share what the Bible says. And if we are Christians that follow the word of God, are we not to uphold the word of God, uphold the Bible? Yes, yes. It's a concerning situation. You know, um, we are told to go into the world and uh, to make disciples and and share about the teachings. You know, often um, this issue, with this issue, the... um, homosexual side of things really gets underlined. But when you look at the the whole topic of of sexuality in God's plan, um, we see that it actually encompasses uh, a lot of things. Um, There's adultery, fornication, all of those things which don't seem to get the same airplay and which may be why um, some homosexuals feel that Christians are kind of pointing the finger and and uh, and making an 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 issue of things with, with regard to on, only them. Um, but uh, it is a really important thing, you know. We always come back to the thing that God loves the sinner but hates the sin. Absolutely. You know, there's 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 as as far as a Christian having a, a right balance between what the Bible says and perhaps what they see in the world where those things don't add up, um, we always need to um, have what we present the Bible with love, 
you know, to to show. I mean, Jesus was was full of love, um, but it also means we can't we can't deny what the Bible actually says. Absolutely, and there are some people who have read the Bible and perhaps taken it out of context to justify their behaviour and the way that they go about things. But there are many things in the Bible that God says that he doesn't like. Mm. And it isn't because he's trying to be a killjoy. He's trying to lead us in a way that we will live the best possible life that we can live here on earth that is uh, purposeful, that is bountiful, that that is healthy, that is uh, holistically we are, are surviving well in this sinful world. And so as we consider this topic and this this attitude towards this Christian man, I think we can all be honest and say that there is an increase of intolerance shown towards Christians. I don't think we can discount the fact that it wasn't too many years ago that any sort of homosexual behaviour was viewed as criminal Mm. and now that has changed. And so there's all this upheaval in society trying to come to a balance. But the main part that bothers me about this article, Tracy, is that where is the freedom of speech? Are we allowed to still believe what we believe or do we have to be told by others what we are allowed to believe? Because it seems like the persecution, if there has indeed been persecution, and I think there has been some, is now turning around towards Christians who want to uphold the Bible. Yes, it, it seems more and more that there is freedom of speech as long as what you have to say lines up with what, general society and you know the the man out there who who perhaps doesn't know Christ has has the, what what their view is which is which is a very difficult thing as I come back again I just want to underline you know we need to always present the word um with the love of God amen you know? um and and all of us are challenged by the word. There are many things, you know, apart from the the sexual side of things. There are many things about the way we live that we are challenged about, and uh, you know, we always have that situation where the Holy Spirit is trying to correct us, and sometimes we'll be obedient straight away, and sometimes we'll be resistant. That's right. Um, but we need to have that ability to be able to um, present. The word in its true form, um, you know, in its true form, the Bible um, does not bash anyone. It basically says there's a better way and I can help you with it. That's right. That's right. And when we talk a little bit later about revival and walking with the Holy Spirit, we'll see that these are the ways that we overcome anything that God would have for us. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we just... Um, we just uh, really encourage people to get into the Word, understand what the Word actually has to say, and to have courage to um, stand up and present the Word in its true form. Um, always done with love, however. Always done with love. That's the important thing for us to remember. Uh, so we might move to some music now. Um, and uh, But before we do that... Um, you're, you've been working out of uh, a, a book um, this week with this study, yes. and uh, that's called Steps to Personal Revival. And some people who are listening, they might be interested in being able to get a copy of that book. So you, can you tell our listeners, Lindy, how they might be able to do that? Well, the best way 
is to go online and to type in steps-2-personal-revival.info. That's steps-2-personal-revival.info. And go down the page and you'll be able to download the ebook Steps to Personal Revival, written by Helmut Horbel, who's a German pastor. Great, great. I know people will be very blessed by that. So we really uh, encourage you to um, to download that book and uh, have a read, and we sure I'm sure you'll be blessed by that. Now let's just go to the to some music. We've got uh, Jaden Lavick and I Need Thee. <laughs>
Can you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. And welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Tracy Papandreou. And today our co-host is Lindy Sperring. Lindy is a prayer ministries leader for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we've been looking at um, spiritual revival and specifically 10 questions about spiritual revival. And today we ask, how does John illustrate carnal Christianity? But before we go on to talk about John illustrating carnal Christianity, perhaps, Lindy, we need to define what the term carnal Christianity means. It's a term that maybe people haven't come across before. Thanks, Tracy. Yes, in the Bible, and particularly Paul in Corinthians, talks about three basic attitudes towards God, the natural response, a natural person, natural man, who doesn't really think about God much. And then he talks about the spiritual man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he also talks about this third type of person, a flesh or carnal man who is in the church but is operating in the flesh and in their own works and power. So that really describes, I think, what carnal Christianity means. It means that a person has accepted Christ, probably been baptized, part of the church, but doing everything in their own strength. And Tracy, I used to be that person. Mm. I used to try to do everything in my own strength and I failed and hurt the Lord and hurt others and hurt myself. Do you know, I think actually, unfortunately, that's the situation for many Christians. Yes. Um, And personally, I feel that... um, this situation of not being fully converted, not being filled with the Holy Spirit, not being surrendered to completely to God um, is something which really does a disservice to Christianity, to, to those who don't believe because, you know, our lives when we're still carnal Christians, we don't have that power. We're still operating. We're like we're trying to move forward and we've got, you know, one leg that's still connected to, tied to the chair or something like that. Um, And because we're not able to operate in that power, those who don't believe look on and they go, well, hey, you know, that hasn't really got much to offer. You know, you talk about this great God and everything, but, you know, what has it done for you? Um, So, so yeah, I think um, many of us have lived that kind of example. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing of that is we've got a pre and a post, Yes. You know, so, so we can say there's a, there's a before and after. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a before and after. Yeah. So maybe if you want to go on now and uh, talk a little bit about what John has to say about, um, uh, carnal Christianity. Yes. So we're talking about John the Revelator. And in Revelation, he talks about these different churches. And we're going to look at that. But before we do, I just want to step back a little bit so that we can get some context here. I want to step back to 
Satan in the Garden of Eden tempting Adam and Eve and taking authority that God gave them. They were given dominion over the earth. They were given authority. But Satan took that authority and he then started to spread his way of living, his thoughts, his behaviors. And it was Jesus Christ who willingly came, part of the Godhead, who willingly came and took back all authority from the enemy. So the only solution to sin was Jesus. He was son of God. He was son of man. There was no other way mankind could be saved from the eternal consequences of sin except through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so that is something to keep in the back of our minds because as we look at the different churches that are described in John, we need to understand that underpinning all this is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Mm, and I'll just interrupt there. As as you started there and you were giving that um, example of where it started in, in the Garden of Eden, what came into my mind was actually Adam and Eve gave Satan that ability to have that um, command over them, if you like. You know, it, they surrendered, well, they it, surrendered to it to him. That's yes, right. Yes, yes. And today... We have a choice, really, don't we? Mm-hmm. We can surrender all to our Lord and Saviour, or we only have one other choice. We mm-hmm. surrender to the enemy of our souls. Mm-hmm. And so as we look at Revelation and I talk about the different churches, it's the lukewarm church that we're having a little bit of a look at this evening. And I'll just read a little bit from Revelation chapter 3, and it goes from verse 14 to 21. And I'll just start where Jesus is speaking, really, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Now, this lukewarm church is called the Laodicean church, and many Christians will have heard of Laodicean Mm. church. And today, that area that we're talking about, Laodicea, is now now near modern Denizli, I think it's pronounced, it was a very wealthy city. They had everything you could imagine and they had doctors' surgeries and they had businesses. But the big weakness that they had was their lack of water supply. Mm. And here Jesus uses terminology that they would understand, this Laodicean church. He says, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, so when we have a hot drink, we want it nice and hot. I have a girlfriend who always says, make it extra hot. You My know? mum does it too. <laughs> want a hot drink. Yeah. Or if you're on a warm day and you want a cold drink, you want it cold normally. And so it says, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you, spit you if you like, vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, the Laodicean people were wealthy. They had everything that they could need. But because this church that we are really addressing, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. So this is these are strong words that Jesus is speaking to the church, this Laodicean church, this end time probably church, this lukewarm church. Mm, I, I mean, uh, 
when we talk about I want to vomit you out, I want to spit you out, that, that's, that, that's really quite extreme, isn't it? It's strong language. And the reason is that if we are lukewarm, we do damage to the church and we do damage outside the church. Mm. But if we are hot for the Lord, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are on fire for God, then we have a totally different outcome. Mm. Uh, one, one of the things that that I find incredible when I read that is um, God saying he actually prefers a non-believer than a person who they've got one foot in, one foot out, That's if right. you like, which, which it's hard for some people to understand. I mean, if I think back, I always believed in God. I always believed in God, but then I had a born-again experience. But before I believed in God, I remember seeing people who were really on fire for God. I, I used to call them Jesus freaks is, is what I yes, called them. I remember that. You know, and term. I can, can remember saying, okay, you, you love God. Why do you have to make such a big deal about it? You know, I just could not understand, you know, because I was in that lukewarm place. And if somebody asked me, I said, oh, yes, I, I, I believe in God. Yes, I pray to God. But the experience is a completely different thing when you're hot as opposed to lukewarm. That's right. And, you know, the Bible goes on after it talks about being spewed out of the mouth, about saying we are rich. You know, we are, we are rich and increased with goods, let's be honest, in, in our society anyway. But it's not just about that. We, we think we don't need anything. We don't recognize our great need. And Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold, and when gold's refined in the hot fire, all the dross falls away, that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And and this little few words about repenting reminds me too, Tracy, that when John the Baptist was here, one of his most powerful messages, this is when Jesus had first was first coming into his ministry, John the Baptist was preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm. In other words, Jesus is about to be revealed. And that same message is for us today. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't think you even have to be a Christian to look around the world and say something is happening to our world. In every area, things are declining. Sin is taking its toll. Humanity is struggling. There are rumors of wars. There are family breakdowns. There is violence increasing. There is everything that says we are living in these special times of Earth's history. So going back to the lukewarm church, here is Jesus saying, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I want you to be hot. I want you to be on fire. And that is what being flesh or carnal is. We are lukewarm. There's a number of different ways to describe it. We talked about the virgins this week, the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. There was no difference in these women, in these virgins, except that the wise one had more oil for their lamp, and oil represents the Holy Spirit. So mm. it's about degrees. We can all have a measure of the Holy Spirit, but we need more. We need to be baptized every day. 
with the Holy Spirit. And it's it's really quite um, sobering, isn't it, when you see that these messages, we have, you know, examples of, of the right way and the wrong way, and, and, and both of these groups, they're part of the church. Yes. It's not like, you know, comparing the church and the world. It's actually comparing different groups of people, if you like, within the church. Yes, Tracy, and I believe the reason, you know, you look here in Adelaide and many of, this was called the the city of churches. You yes. Know, you and I are new to Adelaide. And as we drive around, I just love the architecture and I've seen so many beautiful churches. But the church attendance is on the decline. People don't appreciate or value the spiritual things like they used to. And yet their lives are often in such a mess and so many problems. And so if people could see the church on fire, that they could see people who are filled with the Spirit, who in their demeanor and their attitude are are bringing about transformation because the Holy Spirit's in them, what a difference it would make to the church and the people outside the church, the natural man, if you like, looking in, or those who've stopped attending church, who've been hurt or discouraged and aren't going anymore. Yeah, I mean, they would be looking saying, hey, give me some of that. Whatever exactly. they've got, I want some of that. But it, it's a sad testimony that, that that is not, in general, what's, what's seen. And, uh, you know... It, that has to do with the individual life of the believer. That's right. And, and not calling on the Holy Spirit, not, not understanding the importance of the Holy Spirit's role in our spiritual life. And I think that we try often. I know that I tried to be a good Christian and I would attend church regularly and pay my tithe and stewardship. I would give offerings. I would run programs and, and lead out, but I was trying to do it all in my own strength mm. and it, it didn't work. I talked about Evan Roberts this week about the amazing revival that happened in Wales and Evan Roberts, even as a young man, felt drawn to keep going and praying, praying with their a team of people with a group of people praying regularly, even denying going out to do things young people like to do. And this prayers that he prayed, the Lord heard those prayers and he was so anointed powerfully with the Holy Spirit in Wales in 1904 and the Spirit moved him without delay into ministry and there were such a lot of people who drew together in the prayer meetings and the crowds became larger and larger as revival swept the whole region. But not only that, it spread The Holy Spirit moved Evan Roberts from meeting to meeting across Wales. The chapels were thronged with hundreds more outside. But there was a pastor from a chapel in Edinburgh in Scotland and he was moved by the Holy Spirit to visit these revival meetings in Wales. He listened to everything that was said. He spent two weeks watching, experiencing, drinking in, having his own heart searched comparing the methods with those of the Holy Spirit. And he returned to his people in Edinburgh to tell them what he had seen. And immediately, revival began to sweep across Scotland too. The results were miraculous. Not only did the churches become full, but it was given to both young and old a new love for the Bible. And we want to see young and old today in our society, here in South Australia, here in Australia, 
with a new love for the Bible, mm. for a passion for God's word. And what will happen is that lives will be purified, homes will be changed, and the outlook for so many will be brightened. And, you know, it can sound really cliche, you know, amazing things can happen when the Holy Spirit, you know, leads and guides. But it's true. It's true. You know, I've got I've got those experiences in my life and I'm sure you've got them in your life, Lindy, you know. And, and as you were talking that through, I found that quite interesting that it was a pastor who was brought along to those revival meetings. Um, he obviously was like... I want to know more about this because I'm obviously missing something here. And part of it is our understanding, you know, of, of the lack that we have when we don't have the Holy Spirit, you know, leading and guiding in our lives. That's right. That's mm. right. And it's our human nature to want to do things ourselves and in our own strength. We're taught from a young child's age to to walk, to talk, to, to do things in our own strength and to grow strong. And yes, there's an aspect of that in our spiritual walk as well. Paul talks about running the race. You know, we are we are sometimes having to strive in, in areas of our Christian walk. But if we want to see the supernatural power that the disciples asked Jesus about, teach us to pray, then we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, absolutely. I can remember, um, as you were talking, it was just coming to my mind, I remember when I'd come into the church and there were certain new learnings that I had from the Bible and some of them were a bit tough for me and I can remember saying to girlfriends, well, I know the Bible says that, but I don't imagine I'll ever be able to live up to that, you know. And it's taken years and an understanding that when we hand it to God, when we say, in in my own strength, this is just not possible, but I'm believing you, I'm believing what your word says, that you want me to have victory over this, you want me to live the good, the right life and you want this for me because you know that you made me, you created me, and I will live a much better, happier life when my life is lined up with you. And it's taken years, but I can see that change, you know, and it really is a, um, a complete surrender, isn't it? It's a, just please, God, take me and change me. <laughs> creating us a new heart. And like that song, I surrender all. I surrender all, and that can be difficult sometimes to make that choice. But when we do, I've seen in my own life and my husband and I coming from Melbourne, selling up everything, closing his business, resigning a a secure job I had to come here for just a one-year, two-day-a-week contract in prayer ministry. We had to surrender all. We had to trust in God that he he would open the doors, he would show us the way. And when we do that, there's no looking back. It's so amazing, so exciting, so fulfilling to have that relationship with our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And it can be scary sometimes, you know, like um, when he calls us to certain things, when he calls us to change attitudes or behaviours that that are just, you know, that, that they, they feel so different, we're not used to them, or, or when we're called out to a different place or whatever, but... He comes through and he is able to show us 
that power. And, you know, I think um, I was listening to the program with Helen yesterday and I think she talked about, I think she called them walk-on-water moments. That's you right. Know? And wow moments. Wow moments. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> about it that way. Um, but when we actually have the courage to step out and, and do what God is asking us to do and then he comes through, um, you know, we're just given such great, um, how can I explain it? It just reinforces our, our faith so much in a way that I believe would not happen if you would not have that courage to actually put that foot forward when you're not completely sure of what the outcome is going to be, you're just completely trusting in his goodness and the ability for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And and that ability to be led and, and, and led by the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. It's just like any earthly relationship in in some ways in that you've got to spend time together to know that person's voice to you know understand where they're coming from that's true tracy and i think i mentioned this week that i was prompted to wake up in the middle of the night and pray for our son and god protected him and when we're walking with the spirit he will speak into our lives and into our hearts he will he'll help us make right decisions decisions that line up with his word and with his leading Mm-hmm. That's great. So uh, let's take a break now. But before we do that, I just wanted to, Lindy, if you could mention again to our listeners how they might be able to get a copy of this book that you've been drawing the study from, Steps to Personal Revival. Yes. Let me just say that this came about, Dennis Smith wrote 10 days prayers and devotions to experience a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he has a ministry, spiritbaptism.org. And it was his influence on Helmut Horbel that led him to write this book and some other books. So if you go to steps-to-personal-revival.info, you'll be able to scroll down and download this book, Steps to Personal Revival. And I know that if you read this book, more than just once, and you take on what's in this book, you will see a transformation in your own life. And there are many stories and testimonies of young people and ministers and others who've been transformed through the understanding of this message, Steps to Personal Revival. Mm, Let's hope our listeners get on board with that and uh, get a blessing from that. Just before I move to the music, I just wanted to encourage our listeners too. We like to receive your comments. If you have questions at all, please feel free to text us on 04888-80811.
trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Tracy Papandreo. Today our co-host is Lindy Sperring, Prayer Ministries Leader for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we're taking as our theme 10 questions about spiritual revival and today we ask, how does John illustrate carnal Christianity? And Lindy, previously we were talking about how um, John in Revelation talks, he has the message to um, the Laodicean church where um, God actually says, you know, um, I want to spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. And we talked about the fact that, you know, um, really God wants us to be on fire for him. Yes, Yes, he does. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, there was one Christian writer, Ellen White, who made this comment about half-hearted Christians, she says, are worse than infidels, for their deceptive words and non-committal position lead many astray. The infidel shows his colours. The lukewarm Christian deceives both parties. He's neither a good worldling nor a good Christian. Satan uses him to do a work that no one else can do. They're very strong words, Tracy, but it lines up with what Jesus is saying in Revelation. I want to spew you out of my mouth. I want to vomit you up. You know, I I feel sick Mm. inside about who you are. I want you to be transformed and changed, you know, created a new heart in that person, in us. And we are counseled to buy from him gold refined in the fire. Now, we talked a little bit about that. It's not always a pleasant experience to go through the fiery experience. No. And I've been through a few myself. But as I look back, I'm thankful for those fiery experiences that perhaps where I've come into conflict with others and recognize parts of my personality or my behavior that are not in keeping with God. And so going through those experiences shapes us, changes us. Going through relationships with the family. I have some family members who who suffer with mental illness and they can become very aggressive and angry and swear at me. And it's through those experiences and instead of me trying to respond in a Christian manner, I start praying into that situation mm. and ask God to give me the response to that. And sometimes a response to those situations is quiet. Yes. Quiet. Don't speak. And so God is faithful to us when we surrender our lives to him. He wants to change us and transform us. Absolutely. And, you know, um, standing up for the word is not always an easy thing. You know, living the life is not always an easy thing if I Give my own example. Fifteen years ago, I was married, but I was married to an atheist before I became born again, and I was given the ultimatum. Me or God, Tracy, you work out which one you want. And, hey, I'm here. I'm a Christian. I'm a happy Christian. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really, I thought, well, hang on, you know, I've got to live. 
I've got to live what I believe, you know. Hard decision, Tracy, very, very hard decision. Very, very hard decision. Very, one very you hard. won't regret. You won't regret. No, not at all, not at all, especially when you think that um, – I'll give you the bigger story. So I had left this person – I became born again. The Holy Spirit said to me, I don't like divorce, Tracy. And I thought, my mum said to me, well, you know, you, you, you can't do everything, Tracy. You can't live everything. I said, I can't take little bits out of the Bible that suit me and leave things that don't suit me. I either have to take all of it or take none of it. You know, and so that's kind of what led to that situation. But as you say, you know, I, I have... No regrets because um, I feel that I am living the purpose that God created me for when he knit me together in my mother's womb. Absolutely, and I, I love that scripture. You know, in the Bible it talks about the tares and the wheat growing together and we're not to try to pull out the tares. In other words, within the church there'll always be those who at that particular point in time are still operating in the flesh and perhaps don't fully are not fully converted and fully understand. And I really love it in Revelation where it says in verse 20, so it's chapter 3 verse 20, behold I stand at the door and knock. Here is Jesus knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So Jesus isn't pushing himself onto us. He's such a gentleman, isn't he? He's such a gentleman and the Holy Spirit doesn't try to push himself onto us. He's knocking. He's knocking gently at the door of our hearts and he's saying, invite me in. I really want you to invite me in because he's not willing that any should perish. He just loves us so, so very much. And the reason I love this book, Steps to Personal Revival, Tracy, is because it shows us some of the areas of our life that we may have been ignorant of, we may not have realized, we haven't thought about it, it hasn't occurred to us that we are operating in the flesh or carnal. And let me say too, Tracy, that even when we are born again and we are converted and we do ask for the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean we're perfect. No. We are always sinners. We are born sinners and we will be sinners until Jesus comes again and we are changed. But we don't have to be living in sin all the time. We can make choices not to sin. And when we walk with the Holy Spirit, we are more able to make those choices not to sin. I know there are people listening because I visit the churches and there are people in the churches who are bound by sins all sorts, some are secret sins, some are known sins, but they can be overcomers through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You do not need to be bound or have strongholds in your life from the enemy through uh, a, a lack of understanding of not having the Holy Spirit. And when we have that Holy Spirit, when we ask for the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, we can be overcomers and we can have victory over sin. And it's an amazing, an amazing understanding. I used to carry a lot of burdens, Tracy. Mm. I carried a lot of burdens about, I can remember driving over West Cape Bridge. You may not know that bridge in Melbourne. Yeah. A massive big bridge. It actually, I was a child at school when that bridge started to fall down when they were constructing it and people lost their lives. But I remember driving over that bridge and looking at the vastness of the city of Melbourne and going, Lord, 
How will we reach all those people? Like, who did I think I was that it was going to be my job? But as I put down those extra burdens and realized it's, it's all about him, it's not about me. Mm. It's all about him. It's not about me. Then I started to have victory over sin. I started to have freedom and not carrying such a heavy burden. And he is faithful and just to us. And so Jesus, he was knocking at the door of my heart, Tracy. He was knocking and I wanted to let him in. I wanted to surrender to him. Mm, So he was knocking though and for a long time, was it you didn't let him in or you... you, you, um, didn't really um, appreciate the the great role that the Holy Spirit plays. What do you think was the difference? Tracy, I didn't hear very much about the Holy Spirit. I heard him referred to, but not enough about who he was and what his role was, you know, the paraclete, the comforter, and, and all the other things that the Holy Spirit. So I hadn't heard much about him. I hadn't fully understood. I understood... You know, faith without works is dead. and But there was a whole lot of things in my thinking that I perhaps am a Martha, like Mary and Martha. You know, Mary chose a better thing. She's right at the foot of Jesus. She didn't worry about all the preparations and things. And I think for me personally, I'm a bit of a Martha and trying to do everything. And so... Yes, Jesus was knocking, but I wasn't letting him in, not fully. I was. I may have opened the door a little bit and closed it back again. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I finally realized that I had to let him in and that he would take over. You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Tracy. So would you, in summary, maybe say it's all about relationship? It's definitely about relationship. It's definitely about the Holy Spirit living in us. It's a supernatural understanding of this. When we read the Word, we should always invite the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. We shouldn't just read it randomly without asking Him to lead us into truth because that's part of His work so that we can understand the supernatural book that the Bible is. Mm. So for listeners who are listening and uh, they might be thinking, that sounds great, how do I get there? What would be maybe your one or two points that you would give them to say, tomorrow, do this? The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, Tracy, and he, we know the Lord's Prayer in Luke. And then Jesus went on with some, a parable about somebody who had visitors come and he had no bread. And then after that, he started talking about asking, seeking, knocking, but you don't ask for something unless you recognize your need. So you need to recognize your need and then you need to ask. And when you ask, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm asking for you, but I want you to give me more passion for you. Mm. And you can ask for that as well. Ask for a passion for the word. Ask for a passion for the Lord. And as you ask and seek and knock for this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for more of the Holy Spirit, God will hear those prayers. If you humbly come before him, Tracy, and say, Lord, I need you. I need you in a really powerful, intimate, amazing, life-transforming way. I am willing to surrender myself to you. Those are great points for us to leave our listeners with. Um, how about we just finish off with a, with a prayer? Sure. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your the gift of your Holy Spirit. And uh, we just thank you that we have access to that. Lord, I just pray for everyone who's been listening. I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would be speaking to them and where your Holy Spirit is convicting them of perhaps areas that might need change. I pray that they would understand that they can uh, draw on that power from you. I pray that you would lead and guide and that together as individuals coming together, believers, that we would live that strong life for you, that we would be a great testimony for those who have not yet found you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, it looks like our time is pretty much up. Um, thank you for joining us today, Lindy. Thank you, uh, Tracy. We've really enjoyed having you here and um, look forward to having you again next week on the on the program where um, Joseph is going to be speaking with you again, Lindy, and you're going to be talking about Are Spiritual Problems Solvable? That sounds like uh, a really helpful um, topic. So um, we just thank you, your listeners, for, uh, for listening, and we look forward to joining with you next week. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. He would give His life for you. He did. He.